Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Dr. Stephanie Mines, and we're going to be talking about her work and her new book called We Are All in Shock, Energy Healing for Traumatic Times. Uh, We Are All in Shock provides the tools for reclaiming complete well-being after overwhelming experiences of shock whether it's caused by the massive sweep of current events, such as the COVID-19 pandemic or personal catastrophe. Dr. Mines redefines psychological trauma and revolutionizes the concept of self-care by identifying the true cause of anxiety, explaining why it is so prevalent in in society today, and how, by recognizing its effect, we can find new stability and healing. We are all in shock, demystifies energy medicine by presenting accessible tools to help diminish and eliminate the nervous system's habitual responses to overwhelming trauma. Dr. Mind's work combines the skills from Japanese energy healing arts related to acupressure on the energy meridians of the body, excuse me, energy meridians of the body, with the most contemporary scientific interpretation of how the brain works to offer a clear understanding of neurological behavior. You can find out more by visiting two websites. One is the Terra Approach website, of which Stephanie is the founder, and that is www.terra-approach.org, and we'll be talking about that today. And also, you can find out more information. She is the vision holder and founder of Climate Change and Consciousness, which is at www.cccearth.org. So with that, I'd like to welcome Stephanie to the show. Good day, Stephanie. Good day, Robert. Well, I am happy to have you here because I have a feeling that our conversation today is going to be very useful to listeners, um, uh, me, me included. So um, this is this is really interesting because we're, we are in such a dynamic period. Um, now, can you tell us um, how, you know, what inspired you to write the book and um, – did, I mean, you obviously didn't have any idea, you know, of the upcoming pandemic, but was that something, you know, that kind of um, intensive uh, shock um, kind of uh, foreseen, or, or is that kind of thing addressed in your book? Thank you. Uh, wonderful question. Uh, when I wrote this book, I did not have a premonition of this pandemic. I wrote the book addressing what already appeared to me to be a pandemic of emotional, psychological dysfunction that permeated particularly the U.S. and that I think actually laid the groundwork for what is occurring now 
And the way our immune systems, specifically in the U.S., are responding to this crisis. The original inspiration for me really is my incredible enthusiasm for human potential that comes out Mm -hmm. of my own experience as someone who has herself survived rather extraordinary difficulty uh, throughout life in a number of overwhelming experiences that have landed me on my feet and resulted in being in a state of resilience and buoyancy as a product of the practices I have cultivated. Those practices and the resultant vitality that come from them give me such enthusiasm that I had to reach out and compile my research and my studies uh, in a book. So Mm. that was the origin of We Are All in Shock. And as our current situation has unfolded, it is obvious that it was as if written for these times. I can't take credit for that. I'm simply an instrument. Yeah, um, you know it's it's um, kind of a, a cursing curse and a blessing at the same curse in the sense that you know you, it, it's a time where you can't go out and do your normal book signings and and all of the kinds of things that normally you know accompany you know the the release of the book. But then again, the blessing in in that the information is just really important and. Um, and you know, and you mentioned practices. I, I do want to let everybody know right up front. You have in your book um, a lot of those practices and illustrations, um, which I find wonderful. You know, as far as being able to put into practice what it is that the book um, informs us. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about you know your decision to include those? And you know, because. Um, for those who aren't authors out there, you know, the whole idea of including illustrations and all that kind of thing, that's a a lot of additional work (laughs) and um, coordination and that kind of thing. So um, tell us a little bit about, you know, the fact that you included those and and maybe, you know, know, why is it that you felt that it was important to have them in the book? Thank you for saying all that, Robert. I really appreciate it because, yes, you're right. Uh, It does require extra effort to not only create practical, useful illustrations, but my intention is also to make them beautiful. And I am pleased to say that I think I've succeeded in that, thanks to the wonderful people who collaborated with me. So this is a very practical book. We Are All in Shock could be seen, actually, as a primer for how we can not just survive, but actually evolve in this situation of accelerated and accelerating crisis. And when I created the book, I created it as an educator. So it was really important to me that what it is that I had to offer was successfully communicated clearly to the readers. Mm -hmm. And what I have to offer is quite miraculous, almost a treasure trove of, of jewels that I was fortunate enough to receive from my teacher, but which I have also adapted in 
the additional research that I've done as a neuroscientist. So what you have, and we are all in shock, are hands-on, self-care-based, simple but simultaneously profound practices that one can do easily, conveniently, under any circumstances. And what these practices do is send messages through the afferent-efferent pathways, and that translates very simply to skin. Connective tissue is the conductor of the touch messages that are communicated on what I call sacred sites. And they're sacred because of their gift in evolving human potential. So what you have in We Are All in Shock are daily routines that are illustrated, as you mentioned, so that they're easy to follow, that one can do at any time of the day, as many times as possible, to evolve the human nervous system. And these practices will work equally well on little ones, adults, people of all ages. And, in fact, they actually work as well on animals. I have another handbook (laughs) that you can find on my website that adapts this system for animals. But my focus in this book is on the human nervous system. Yeah, wow. Um, So let's start with kind of the basic, you know, understanding of um, shock and trauma because, um, you know, we're talking about the title of the book is We Are All in Shock and and it's energy healing for traumatic times. So um, can you tell us a little bit about um, each or or are they the same or what, what is different between them? Thank you. I will say there is a difference between the two, and it is a difference of magnitude. Some uh, in my profession would say they are the same, but I, Mm -hmm. as a survivor of shock, I would be able to clearly identify the differences. And the difference in magnitude makes a significant difference in terms of how one responds when a new iteration Mm -hmm. of trauma adds to the residue of shock, such as what is occurring right now in our world. So for those of us who are survivors of sexual abuse, sexual violence, domestic violence, repeated early traumas that have gone either unresolved or only partially resolved, many of the overwhelming events occurring in our world right now attach to that residue and put us into a state of overwhelm that exceeds the recovery process that is available if one has been traumatized. So the distinction is that trauma is resolvable in a relatively short amount of time as a result of the resources that we can bring to bear under those circumstances. Sometimes we just need a little reminder of what those resources are. And within 
a relatively short space of time, we are able to come back into a state of equanimity. Shock is not so easy to resolve. So even PTSD, the war trauma uh, situation that I have actually written a book about, they were families, how war comes home, I would call combat shock uh, rather than trauma. And that is because Mm. the magnitude of shock one experiences becomes associated with past experiences of shock and make the nervous system less plastic, less resilient. That's where these resources that I share in We Are All in Shock come to bear because they have a traditional history associated with them that are that is designed for just this kind of circumstance. Okay, well that's um, that's an uh, I, I like I, it's an interesting distinction. I've not not heard that distinction, but it makes sense, you know, because of the impact to the nervous system, you know, that shock would have, and then um, trauma add on or contribute or um, support, you know, that. Now, are there different forms of shock? I mean, um, or is it just the idea that something influencing the nervous system dramatically? So, first of all, let me um, continue that understanding of shock by adding uh, some information about how human memory works uh, and why shock is differentiated from trauma. And that will then lead to the other aspect of your question, which is, are there different kinds of shock? So the way that memory works neurologically is that it is stored in a conditional database uh, within the amygdala in the limbic brain. But let me add to that that memory is also stored cellularly throughout the body, also in a conditional way. And by conditional, I mean associative rather than chronological. It's not a rational, logical structure. Memory doesn't operate rationally. It actually operates subcortically or instinctually so that there is this associative Quality when similar associations are made in the mind-body, either through sensation or through image, then all of the previous experiences associated with that image or that sensation are brought to the fore, and one then experiences this state that is called overwhelm uh, or flooding or panic, and a lot of people are experiencing panic right now. Uh, Mental health issues are on the same level of epidemic as COVID-19. People are justifiably put into a state of shock by the plethora of conditions associated with the pandemic. So when we of different kinds of shock, I would say the two categories that are 
especially relevant for me are the categories of direct shock experience. So that is this impact of overload, such as getting a shocking piece of information, uh, having a shocking experience, such as occurs in an accident, uh, that then attaches, as I've described, to our own particular biography. But there is another category, which is secondary traumatization or secondary shock. Uh, And this is also sometimes called vicarious re-traumatization. And that comes from being with others who are traumatized, who are in shock, who are overloaded. So caregivers are wonderful mm-hmm. heroes, our nurses, our physicians, our social workers, our teachers who have to be the first responders, our precious people who are sacrificing themselves, uh, putting so many hours into providing excellent care for people who are at risk, those individuals likely are also experiencing this other quality of secondary or vicarious shock. And for them, these resources are remarkable. Uh, As someone who's been in the healing arts, who has served traumatized populations for over 30 years, I can tell you that the practices that I do, both the hands-on practices, and I do these practices, Robert, every day, multiple times a day myself. I walk my talk. Everything that I describe (laughs) in my book is a reflection of what has been tested in my own laboratory, as well as in clinical trials that I've conducted. So I'm speaking from experience, but I think the most important experience is personal experience. And as someone who would be very vulnerable to being reactivated by the services that I perform, I can tell you that what these resources provide are incredible tools for boundary setting. And I'm not speaking of uh, boundaries in some superficial way. I'm speaking of physiological boundaries. So creating Mm -hmm. uh, within your own mind body the capacity to be compassionate and present and in a state of self-care at the same time. That is an art, and it is an art that is logically awakened. Uh, Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, That can be physiologically awakened through the use of these hands-on practices. And I I do want to say that the hands-on practices are accompanied also by self-talk. There is a quality of consciousness and awareness that goes with the practices. Now, um, I can, you know, I can understand with, with direct shock, you know, that that's a, um, an event in a way, you know, that can be easily identified and, and um, isn't um, itself, um, you know, an, an ongoing, um, I mean, it, it, there's a time the event stops and ends, but I mean, granted, it, the impact may go on, but 
my question is now with the secondary and the vicarious um, type of shot, like the doctor, like the first responders you're talking about, you know, that it's a, a constant, um, you know, an ongoing um, event. Is it possible for people who are in that position to not even recognize that they're in shock? That you know that they've experienced, they're experiencing, or have experienced this kind of secondary or vicarious shock. Definitely, and I would say that is more likely right now, because I think that this secondary experience is almost universal at this point, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in the U.S. Uh, because of the exposure uh, through media to so many horrific, uh, increasingly horrific events, losses, enormous losses, uh, losses of property, losses of lives, losses of species, losses of lifestyle. Uh, And the exposure to the suffering of so many people uh, that is portrayed uh, in um, detail uh, on our media. And I think it's important for us to be aware that these losses are occurring, but I think we need a way to grieve. We need a way to grieve in a transformative way, and we need a way to access, and here's where this differentiation comes in, and it's what I experience every day because I am deeply impacted by the suffering in the world uh, mm-hmm. that I do not hide from. I do not uh, avoid uh, the truth of what's going on. And I'm very, very sensitive to it. But I know from my daily practices that I can actually be inspired to do what I'm doing right now with you, Robert, which is to mm-hmm. share what really works, I can be even more profoundly inspired by that magnitude of suffering. So it's being alchemized within me uh, as the product of my practices. I should say, you know, I've been doing these practices for quite some time, and they have a cumulative effect. But as soon as you begin them, they're effective. Uh, so... I think it's important, and this is why the reissue of my book with an added appendix of particular hands-on applications for these times means so much to me Mm -hmm. because I feel a very strong need as a woman, as a mother, as a grandmother, to be able to provide protective resources for humanity. We need to have a way to protect ourselves from the shocking circumstances that unfortunately are proliferating and that are Mm -hmm. going to continue in their acceleration due to the nature of climate change and due to the nature of the political turmoil that we're in globally. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there is a. I mean, it, it's um, it's on a path. You know that 
that um, we really can't stop. We just kind of really need to, to, to manage and work with and maybe even transform, you know, what that is um, into a, um, you know, into better results. Um, now, this is first of all. I do want to let listeners know that in, in a few minutes we're going to take a break. And if you want to call in and ask Stephanie any questions, you can call in at six one nine seven eight nine four three five nine. And if you're listening live in the chat room, if you have any questions, feel free to pose them there. Um, so uh, it, this is. Um, one of the things that I, I, I realized, I mean, just as we were talking, um, we were talking about you know the ways of of dealing with it, um, with, with this particular um, deluge of, of shocking um, events, is that uh, in your book you talk about compassion, you know, as, as it's a vital as a vital component. Um, uh, of civilization. And as a matter of fact, um, I think you had, um, um, did you have a Dalai Lama quote in there? Um, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You do. And is it the one love and compassion are necessities, not luxuries? Is that the one or no? Is that a different one? Okay. No, that's the one. Okay. <laughs> now, I, this is just really odd. Okay, now, I, I remembered reading that, you know, and, and as a matter of fact, I, I want to kind of talk about compassion. Um, and this morning, I, I'm a nature photographer, and, I, and I, you know, I try to post a lot of nature pictures on my on my Facebook page. And so this morning, I had one of uh, a real pretty flower. And, and anyway, I wanted to have a um, a quote to go along with it. And um, so I have this, I usually go to one particular website and, and, you know, or a book that I have that is um, full of, um, you know, inspirational quotes. Um, Didn't find anything online. And so I went to the book and I literally just flipped through it and, and landed on that Dalai Lama quote, the very same quote. And it wasn't until we are talking that I realized that that one that I quote randomly selected in the book was the very same one in your book. So it was just weird. <laughs> I guess that's, no, that's kind beautiful. of uh... <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. And it's actually, you know, I haven't thought of this before, uh, but it's actually a way somebody could use the book. <laughs> you could just uh, op- let it open, uh, you know, uh, and see, what is illustrated or described on that page because all of the interventions, all of the statements in We Are All in Shock stand on their own. So, Mm -hmm. you know, people's lives turn on those moments. You know, someone's life could completely shift because they see that quote along with one of your beautiful images. I, I have looked at your images, Robert, because... One of the things that has happened for me as a result of the transformative energies that are afoot, and I love that you use the word transform because I believe that's our assignment. We have to take these very difficult conditions that we're all immersed in and transform them for ourselves. That's the human assignment right now. And one of the transformations that's happened for me and that you 
with your photographs. Uh, are you still there? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I keep getting these little beeps, so I just want to make sure I'm not <laughs> losing the connection. Uh-oh. So uh, one of the miraculous evolution that I've experienced in this transformational interlude of human civilization is a deeper connection with the natural world. And I believe that has evolved out of my practices, out of the resolution of the shock and trauma in my life, solving. Now, that's the path of resolution. It's an ongoing process. But it's as if a veil has been lifted. And that is the veil between human consciousness and the natural world. And I believe your photographs, Robert, help people lift that veil and it's it's good work in the name of the evolution of human consciousness so when i created climate change and consciousness it was for that evolution because it is through the evolution of our consciousness that each one of us can know how we are meant to serve in this time and quite honestly that's the health that i'm going for in yeah. writing this book and in doing programs like this, it, it's not—it's—it's—it's well, it, it's, it's not um, you know a selfish motive. It's a motive in the name right. of the natural world. Yeah, I agree. And of course, now you're chapter seven in your book, Mother Nature, You and Me, the Seamless Matrix of Life. Of course, drew my attention very quickly. <laughs> but uh, but yes, I, you know, I, I really appreciate that um, that effort. I mean that um, because it, to me, it, it just seems that um, that kind of takes us back to you know that grounding and balance and, and, and recognition of. Um, you know, mutual support, you know, of of everything. So, but we're going to take a quick, quick break. We're already halfway through the show. Um, so, um, again, people, if you want to ask questions, call in 619-789-4359. And then when we come back from break, Stephanie, I want to kind of now explore that um, aspect, the compassion aspect of, of um of the process, and, and then maybe even get into some of the 10 steps for resolving shock, okay? Thank you. Okay, great. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website 
BiteRadio.me has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us. Again, today, my very special guest is Dr. Stephanie Mines, and we're talking about her new her book, recently re-released book, We Are All in Shock, Energy Healing for Traumatic Times, and it is very timely. Um, you can find out more by visiting um, two of Stephanie's websites. One of them is uh, the regarding the Terra approach, um, and we can talk a little bit about that. But that uh, website is www.tara-approach.org. And this is also the vision holder and founder of Climate Change and Consciousness, which is www.cccearth.org. Okay, with that, we're back, Stephanie. Hi. Okay, great. Um, you know, during the break, we, we talked and, and – um, you graciously offered to walk through a couple different um, exercises or practices that people can use um, starting right now. So what we'll do is we'll go ahead and and talk about one of them right now, and then we'll go into talking about um, compassion and and about resolving shock, and then we'll we'll close the show with another. So thank you for doing that. And what, what, what one would you like to talk our listeners through? Well, I would like to pick up on your reference to compassion, Robert, because you are so right that compassion, self-compassion, as well as compassion for the suffering in the world right now, is actually a neurohormonal experience that can be cultivated. Uh, So mothers who are listening know that through the process of bearing, delivering, nursing a child, there is a fluid hormonal state that we enter that creates enormous empathy for the child that we are caring for. And often uh, that will make us sacrifice our own personal well-being because of the degree of compassion and empathy that we have for this vulnerable being. A similar kind of state can evolve in the face of the suffering of the world and the suffering really of voiceless, vulnerable populations like children, like animals that are suffering uh, in the various crises that are afflicting us and that will continue. Compassion, as the Dalai Lama has indicated, uh, and I like so much the use of the word necessary. It's not just possible. It's necessary as a vehicle for healing. There actually are sites on the body that we can touch that will evoke the compassion that is innate to every human being. So let me just say briefly something about the quality of touch. So we are using the very tips of our fingers. And at this 
level of intervention, any fingertips and even multiple fingertips can be used. And I'm going to direct you to bring your fingertips, right or left hand, to the same side area right under the collarbone. So as you just touch into the collarbone, there's a knobby beginning um, close to the midline. And then, of course, the length of the collarbone unfolds from that knobby beginning. So you could place your fingertips on that knob and then slide down off of the knob and without any pressure, very tenderly. Make contact with the flesh of your fingertip and the connective tissue, the skin, directly under the collarbone. And just be there. And if both your hands are free, do that on both sides. If only one hand is free, do it on one side. And close your eyes just to give you inner focus. Don't do that if you're driving, of course. (laughs) Don't do this if you're driving unless you're just using one hand and can do that safely, Uh, which I have done, by the way. I have held sights while driving safely. Um, So just let those fingertips rest on that connective tissue. Let your breath deepen of its own accord. And let's just wait a moment as you tap into that experience. And notice, you can hear it in my voice. My voice has dropped down. Uh, I'm so excited to be talking with you, Robert. Uh, And that kind of elevated my nervous system, and now it's dropped down. And this site has many names. Uh, One of the names I've given it is the Wings of the Heart. So very gently, just through this contact with self, heart opens and for some this is subtle for others it could be quite significant and compassion has a road in to your mind body can be done anywhere anytime it's a good pause if you're feeling frustrated anxious angry open the wings of your heart and see how things change as a new option for feeling and expression presents itself. And that's the outcome of these practices. Yeah. A living miracle. You know, um, I'm, uh, the idea of compassion as being a, a neural um, kind of expression, it, to me, it, anything that it can be learned um, is is encouraging because right now in our times, the times that we're experiencing right now, there there is um, it seems to be a very dramatic um, like a pendulum in both sides is very dramatic. There are there are so many circumstances that um, 
that uh, kind of bring forth, you know, that that compassion. You know, I mean, we feel the compassion for others in so many ways in, in what they're experiencing. Um, and then there are other examples of of things going on where you know it's like, where is compassion? You know, I mean, it's it's like uh, it's nowhere to be found. And for if if someone is um, uh, if someone experiences compassion, you know, either, either easily or, you know, with frequency or, or the idea of, of expressing, expressing compassion isn't a challenge, um, you know, for, um, to, to me, I, I'm, I'm kind of one of those. I mean, it's like, you know, there's, a, there's like almost some, in many cases, there's an immediate um, attachment to the heart center. Um, and so when I see people acting or behaving or doing things that are contrary to that, just um, I can't understand it. Now, realizing that now there is, you know, there's the idea that there's a neural connection, you know, kind of helps my understanding of maybe why some people are less compassionate than others. Um, so, um, anyway, yeah, yeah. well, it's, it's just one of those things that, um, um, I think as we are experiencing, we're going through this, um, maybe that can help, <laughs> help us, uh, compassionate folks understand someone who isn't, doesn't have that display as, as easily. Yeah, it, it's a developmental evolution. If someone is not exhibiting compassion and, in fact, goes to the opposite extreme and appears to be cruel, manipulative, destructive, mm-hmm. self-serving, uh, and we have this response that you've described, Robert, of, I just don't understand how someone can be that way. What we want to understand is that they have arrived there from developmental experiences and that they don't have to stay there. If they are staying there, they're choosing to stay there. They're choosing for developmental reasons uh, to remain in that closed state. And oddly, uh, by increasing our compassion and simultaneously increasing our self-care, those two have to go together, uh, we can actually be of service to the world that's suffering from that lack of compassion and empathy. And we can also be of service to ourselves and protect ourselves from the shock of living in the midst of so much cruelty. Yeah, that's a a very good point, you know, um, and being able to um, shield ourselves, you know, because the, the idea of someone someone's lack of expression, you know, can, can be a, uh, an emotional, can give an emotional rise sometimes for me, for example. You know, I that, that, um, so, so, you know, and um, so now I can, with, with that particular understanding and recognizing too that it is their choice, that first of all, that it's something that's, that's neurological based, maybe developmental, um, but then there's also the fact that it can change and that, you know, the choice is to remain. You know, all of that whole set of 
circumstances, I think, can maybe lead to an understanding, you know, so that it's like I can look at, at that kind of activity and think, well, somewhere along the way, you know, something is there and this person is just choosing to be like that. And um, and I'm I'm wondering if, you know, because that's pretty much, you know, we're seeing it on a global scale in many, many ways. Um, I'm just wondering if maybe that um, lack of compassion, that cruelty and uh, that uh, anger that we're seeing, if, if it's, if maybe the purpose of what we're experiencing now is to maybe shake up the compassion within some people who maybe where it's maybe dormant. Well said. I believe that could be correct. And the capacity to enhance one's compassion as a tool, actually, is a very practical tool for making it through this time. Uh, as, as a way to actually transform, to use your word, transform these conditions by increasing our compassion. That is doable. And the practices in We Are All in Shock will get you there. And there is, I want to be clear about this, there is some discipline involved in using these practices. They're not mm-hmm. magical fix-it here once and then everything is all right. <laughs> there is a discipline here. There is there is right. a relationship that one develops to oneself that comes with these practices. That relationship is very uh, positive. I mean, you begin to have an entirely new, evolved relationship with yourself, and you have to want that. You have to see the benefit of that. So. Uh, this book is really for those people who care that much about either themselves or their family members, their children, or uh, if you're a healthcare provider, those that you serve, that you're willing to go an extra mile to have some additional discipline. You know, I treat myself with these hands-on practices, you know, first thing in the morning, multiple times during the day, um, And the self-talk, the awareness, the consciousness is my constant companion. And there are guidelines uh, to help us refine that relationship to ourselves, which just like what you were articulating about having this sense of developmental difficulties that led to the absence of compassion, being able to cultivate that kind of awareness begins to develop and increase um, as we evolve personally. Yeah. Um, but a couple of the, you have, in your book, you have 10 steps to resolving shock. And, you know, and one of the things I want to talk just about a few of them, we don't have to go through all 10, but I want to talk about a few of them because I want the listeners to understand that, First of all, that it can be resolved, you know, that thought can be resolved and, and, you know, transform ourselves and our lives because of that, but also that just to give them an idea of what some of them are. Now, one of them is establishing a strong relationship with your body, as, as you were just talking. Um, so um, another one we really kind of start with is, is just identifying the lesson in the overwhelming experience. Um, I guess that's like step one, wouldn't it be? I mean, literally in the 10 steps, but I mean, 
in the whole process, it would seem that that would be the start of the beginning kind of thing. That actually is that first step by the lesson in the overwhelming experience. Uh, I probably should have made the 10th step because it's the most difficult one, actually. Because the, the lesson in the overwhelming experience may not come clear for a while. So, as an example, I'm a survivor, uh, Robert, of sexual abuse within my family. And mm-hmm. it took quite a while for the lesson of that overwhelming experience, the many lessons mm-hmm. of that overwhelming experience to become clear to me. It continues to become clear. But at a certain point uh, in my life, it became illuminated that this was a teaching that is available for me to transform. Uh, And with that insight, everything changed. My Mm. neurochemistry absolutely changed. I I really want to emphasize the physiological aspect of the resolution of shock. Uh, And that links to the third step, which is befriending your body, Um, because as you evolve in your consciousness, so does your body evolve, and Mm -hmm. your body becomes a teacher. So if I use that example, when I became aware at this stunning moment, which was obviously the culmination of many previous moments, but they all crystallized and mm-hmm. an understanding of the teaching uh, of this horrific, completely damaging, violent uh, repetition of assaults that shaped my early life. When that crystallized into a teaching for me, I could feel myself changing in terms of my structure, in terms of the way in which I breathed in terms of the way in which I spoke. Uh, Everything shifted on a physiological level. And that has continued to happen. And that is my hope, really, Robert. Uh, My hope for humanity is the potential for what I call evolutionary resilience. That yeah. is the result well, of this fusion of neuroscience and energy medicine. And, and even though my teacher presented a system that came from Japan, and she herself uh, is Japanese, was Japanese, she's no longer in the body, uh, and my deep honor to her, she is my ancestor now, uh, she was very clear that this is a universal system. Well, um, so now a couple of the other steps are yeah, that were part of it, and, and I can understand where the uh, the idea of identifying the lesson is is um, is something that is usually you know in, in hindsight and after years of, of a kind of doesn't have to be years, but after a long after a period of of really kind of examining and going within. But um, and, and I don't know if. You know, I wouldn't say necessarily that these steps are um, 
I mean, they're not linear in the, in their the ability to apply them. So, so that's you know for people yeah, to recognize. You. For example, <laughs> yeah, for example, you know now uh, like the one of the steps is sustain awareness. Well, you know you kind of have to have the awareness before you can sustain it. So that, you know that's understandable. Um, now, one one of the steps in there that I just thought was really interesting and, and that maybe we can employ a little bit more now is that laughter is the best medicine. I mean, you know, it's such a cliche, but there is a physiological benefit to that, correct? There is. Uh, and, of course, that's documented. Uh, Norman Cousins' incredible book that will always be a great book about uh, using laughter literally uh, as uh, a pharmaceutical, practically, doses of laughter. Uh, and the laughter that I'm speaking of here um, is also not only what Norman Cousins did, which was watch, you know, hour after hour of, you know, slapstick comedy, uh, which is fine as a, as a dose. I think it's a great idea. But it's also the ability to laugh at yourself and mm. to laugh at the miracle of life, you know, just to laugh as, as a joyful expression of life's incredible mysteries. And, you know, it's like being able, for instance, to find humor and even adorableness in somebody who previously you might have detested, you know, or who you thought of as an enemy, you know, being able to find some sort of humor, delight, uh, that's a medicine. Okay. Well, gosh, we're actually down to the last five minutes here already, Stephanie. It's just flying by. Um, but before we go, I want to also kind of refer the listeners um, to your websites and what they can find there. Now, one of them, uh, Tara, T-A-R-A hyphen approach dot org. Uh, Tara is an acronym for Tools for Awakening Resources and Awareness. Um, could you just uh, let the listeners know what tools or resources are available at uh, terra-approach.org? The uh, website is a treasure trove of events that I've created, including an upcoming, I don't think it's quite posted yet, but it'll be there soon, a foundations course that will actually take you through the steps of learning to use this system at a deeper level than we can address in this time frame. So the book, We Are All in Shock, is, as I mentioned, a primer for dealing with these times. If you want to go beyond the primer, then the resources are available for you at my website. There's also a store where there are handbooks, digital materials that you can purchase that will be standalone resources that you can use in the privacy of your home. And if you want to be part of a community using these tools, please join us in the courses. Okay, great. Now, um, also of, of big interest for me, and I'm sure for many of our listeners, is your um, website, Climate Change in Consciousness, Be a Voice for Our Living Earth. Uh, that people can find at cccearth.org. Um, tell us about you know that 
the vision that you have with that particular effort? That website uh, will give you the opportunity to join with others if you are a visionary who really wants to make a difference in this world for yourself, your family, for others. You will find the support, the mentorship, the collegial relationships, and the practical tools to move from just thinking about it and dreaming about it to actually making it happen. And that action more and more is collaborative. The wonderful Thich Nhat Hanh, who may be leaving us soon, has said that the Buddha, the new Buddha, will come as a collective. So climate change and consciousness mm-hmm. is that collective that can join with you as nascent and abstract as your ideas might be. We have the resources to help you flesh them out and put them into motion. Oh, great. Yeah, it, it looks like a wonderful um, effort, a wonderful um, you know, type of uh, thing to become involved with. Well, uh, now, is there any maybe final words, Stephanie, of maybe something we didn't cover or maybe, you know, anything you would like to leave the listeners with before we close? Well, I'd like to take us out with one more practice. And I'll make it very brief. Uh, And I'm going to stay in the territory that you have initiated, Robert, because I think it's the right place to be, which is compassion. So just as we had made contact with that territory right below the collarbone, go back to that spot right below the collarbone where your fingertips were resting. And you'll notice that underneath that collarbone, there is a rib. These diaphragmatic ribs line up on the chest and just continue with your fingertips to slide down. So there's that first right under the collarbone. Then there's this sort of interstitial space, this kind of uh, somewhat spongy space, and then another rib, and then another spongy space. And then another rib, and right under that third rib, between the third and the fourth rib, there is another sacred site. This may be the most important one for me to tell you about, because this site allows overwhelm to become organized. So once again, this could be the right hand on the right side, in that space and the left hand on the left side in that space or just one hand. Rest in that space gently. Let the pulsation of life tissue speak to the pads of your fingers and just listen. Pretend the pads of your fingers are ears and you're listening to the life story under the pads of your fingers, and you will notice as your breath adjusts that that life story becomes a melody, a balanced, rhythmic melody. And when that happens, that means that you're integrating everything that you're experiencing. 
And you can do that at any time. And if you hold the wings of the heart, the collarbone site on both the right and left sides, and then this site, which is called the mother, the great integrator, great mother integrator, and you hold that site, you will find an experience of balanced compassion, the transformative message for this interview, Robert, uh, <laughs> and for this time. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, because I know a lot of people are in, in overwhelm right now. And, um, and for many people, it's their first experience with it. Uh, so it, it, it can be um, challenging. So I appreciate you sharing that with the, with the listeners. And, and, of course, they can get um, your book, uh, We Are All in Shock. And, um, again, in there you have the practices and you have wonderful illustrations that go along with it. So it makes it very easy for people to follow. So I want to thank you for your time today, Stephanie. I really enjoyed our chat. And, um, again, it's, it's a very really important topic for these times. Thank you, so, thank you. And, and, and we're, we're connected on Facebook. So those of you on Facebook, feel free to join us both there. And I look forward to following your journey. And uh, igualmente, the same with me. Thank you, Robert. Okay. Good. You're very welcome. Again, everyone, today our very special guest has been Dr. Stephanie Mines. We've been talking about her new book, We Are All in Shock, Energy Healing for Traumatic Times. And, again, you can find out more by visiting her website, www.terra-approach.org and www.cccearth.org is the website for the climate change and consciousness. And of course, her, her books, our book is available at Amazon.com and all other leading bookstores. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.